Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. In this episode, we're working through week 10 of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, this week, uh, like many of us, I'm dealing personally with some of the emotion of what's happening in our country with the protests and riots and, and just kind of where we're at. And so you'll hear some of that come out during this teaching. We're grateful that you stopped by this week. You can check out our website at casperchurch.com. Have a great week. Let me read this to you. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like the, his glorious body. But the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself by the power that enables him. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm Thus in the Lord, my beloved. There's a couple of really quick pieces that Paul is going to, uh, he, as he's teaching his church that he planted, is restating things he's already said, which is classic Paul. He does that regularly. He, he says something, teaches something, and then he says it again, and then he says it again, and then he says it again. And then pastors kind of take on that mantra when they preach. They say the same thing over and over and over and over again. And eventually I need my wife to build a bingo board for me because at some point you guys will go, wait, he said that before. He said that before. I think he said that before. And you guys can play bingo and scratch off when I say the same things every week. And so it's fun, but that's what, that's what people who want to teach the scriptures because there's not a lot of content. I mean, we can go into the nuts and bolts of the Greek, but at the core of Paul's message, at the core of what Paul is trying to teach this church he loves, he's saying, things are hard, stand firm. Things are hard, stand firm. Let me remind you, things are hard, stand firm. And he gives some reasons why they're hard. And in this particular situation, it's some of the people that we talked about earlier, the Judaizers, uh, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, are starting to infiltrate the church, and they're starting to so they're starting to become false teachers and itinerant preachers. People would show up and say, here's what you need to know. Here's the best way to follow Jesus. I know that you guys are all Messiah people, and this Jesus of Nazareth is, is your Savior, and you say he's the Messiah. Here's a couple more pieces to that that you need to follow. And, and, and this is what Paul is getting at, that there's these things that are happening within your church. Stand firm, because it's, it's hard, I understand, all while writing this from prison. And so he starts this, this part of this, this end of chapter 3 out with, join in me and imitate me. Do what I do. Focus on what I've done. See how I've done it and imitate that. Do what I've done. Well, what has he done and what has he taught? So there's a couple things that, he, that he's gone through in these first three chapters. He taught them that humility is important. You have to be humble, just like Jesus was humble and went to the cross. You have to love the people around you. You have to love God. 
You have to love. Love is a, a, a thing that we are, are guided by, the thing that pushes us, the thing that empowers us in order to, to reach and even sustain through our current culture. Love is so important. He, and then again here he says stand firm. Persevere through the chaos. Persevere through the persecution. Persevere through the hard times. You need to be able to continue to trudge through the tough stuff. And, this, and then he says what he said so far is you have to continue to pursue Jesus. And by, he's taught all this, and I don't know if you followed me along the way, but I've said those things because Paul said them. And now in this end part of chapter 3, he's saying, imitate me. I've done it, now you do it. I've done it from prison, now you do it. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Follow the things that you've seen. Follow the teachers that have come, like Timothy, who I sent to you. Follow him. Do what he's telling you to do. This is the way in which you should live. You need to live this way. Humility, love, perseverance, pursuit. Follow Jesus hard, and it's going to get tough, I know. And he, he contradicts this with saying many, many are falling away or even coming into your church to try to lead you astray. I've thought... Um, yesterday I was thinking about this actually quite a bit. And it, it just, I was thinking through, has there been times where I've stood in front of this church and taught them something that was counter to Scripture? Accidentally. Not intentionally, not showing up and going, this is, this is I'm going to pull the wool over their eyes and I'm going to tell them something that I want them to know that's not real truth. And I was thinking yesterday, it's just, have I done that? Have I done that? I don't know if I have. I, I was like, okay, I don't think I have intentionally. But this is what Paul's getting at. There's people that are coming into the church that are teaching and are trying to steer you in directions, directions that are not Christ-centered directions. And, in fact, he uses the language that are enemies of the cross. Well, what's the cross? What's this cross? The only thing that this cross stands for is what? Salvation. It stands for salvation. It's Jesus having victory over death. He was crucified for our sins. And what Paul is addressing here is that there's enemies coming in, and they're enemies to the cross. They may not look like enemies to us. They may not look like people that are, are wanting to do harm to us or even lead us astray or do something that, that changes or alters the way in which we, we live out church. But they are enemies to the cross. They're enemies to salvation. They actually will move you away from Jesus. And sometimes it's impossible to determine if that's, if that's actually happening. And that's why yesterday I was going, Did I, am I doing that? Am I, I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. And so then here's, here's, what made me, here's what triggered it. And this is kind of funny to me, maybe not funny to you. Their God is their belly. And I thought, okay, when I came in, you guys were doing a potluck every month. Every month. You're having a meal together every single month. I was like, we need to stop doing that. No more every month meals. I'm like, good. I'm not, my God's not my belly. We're not getting together. We're not a potluck. And, and I think there was celebration when I said we're not going to have a meal every month because we're, like, tired of decorating and putting meals up. But, but I, I'm, these are the ways in which I look at Scripture and I go, huh, is that what he's telling me right here? And I, when I read it, I go, am I going, is this really about food? Am I thinking about food right now? 
It's so simple to be an enemy of the cross, accidentally. Um, a little bit ago, when I was sharing about my feelings about a church, a church has to address what's going on right now. A pastor has to address what's going on right now. I actually think if you ignore what's happening in our world right now, you, you can be an enemy to the cross. I don't think we get the privilege of ignoring things. I don't want to teach you that we get to ignore the chaos around us and pretend like it doesn't exist and pretend like it's not an issue or pretend like it's not something we have to be in, engaged in. Is it going to hit our front door? Probably not. It probably isn't. But I want us to be aware of whatever things are enemies to reconciliation and to salvation and to people hearing the good news and encountering the gospel. And I promise that if we ignore life around us, it's easy for us to just insulate and become this little holy huddle. And that's an enemy of the cross. Because if you huddle up, you're not telling anybody about Jesus. Now, Paul doesn't explicitly say that, but I'm saying that. I'm saying an enemy of the cross is even somebody who's saying, don't look at this thing. This is our special little gift. We have this for ourselves. You don't get any of this. That's what happens when you holy huddle. And I'm not accusing us of doing that. I'm saying I want us to be on guard for that. I want us to, to, to make sure that we're not accidentally creating a moat around us to where you're only have to, you can only be a certain type of person to come into our place. We can't live that way. Because if we do, we are an enemy to this. And I know, again, Paul's not explicitly saying that. I'm saying that. I'm interpreting that for us and for the American church. We don't get to put a, a, a thing in front of that and say, eh, unless you fit this type of way. So if you start to trickle that down into all sorts of other areas, this last Wednesday night with, the, with one of the small groups I met here, we had like a, a small little discussion on Arminianism versus Calvinism. It was very tiny, very small, and very laughable. We laughed and joked, and like we didn't really get into it. But think about all of the churches who have, have split because of that. Think of all the tension that exists because is, that's theology, sure, and it's about what God does, but it, actually if you continue to drill and drill and drill and drill on that, you say if you don't match this, that becomes an enemy of this. It's like this, we forget about salvation and we forget about, about Jesus' influence on our life and we become like we're putting a wall up and saying you can't encounter Jesus unless you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q. And you make this long list of things that you have to do in order to walk through whatever. And this is why I'm saying, what does the end look like for that person or that church? What does Paul say? Verse 19. Paul says, when you live this way, when you are consumed with you, when you are consumed with the desires of this world, the belly, when you are consumed, consumed with the things of this earth, the things that you want and desire and crave, when you are consumed with that, your end is what? Verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, their glory is their shame, and their mind sets on earthly things. The things that are going to go away. The things that will disappear. 
the things that are gone. And Paul counters that and says, but our citizenship, our loyalty, who owns us is heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And he says this through tears, which implies a little bit here that Paul had a relationship with some of these people that were causing chaos in the Philippian church. That these were people that he loved and cared for, that through tears. These people were causing chaos. I think it's too, um, I don't, I want to be transparent, very transparent. It's very easy for me to stand up here and, and, and break down all the different categories here and teach, like, uh, inside out from the text. And I know I'm just glossing over it. And I want to land on a big point, and that's it today. It, I don't want to break down the words in the Greek. I've done it. And you don't need it. You don't need the four different categories of people that Paul describes here and what they're doing and how it, lay, how it looked in the first century church. Too often we consume ourselves with the detail, the detail, and we get paralysis by it because we think the detail is what gives us citizenship, and the detail does not give us citizenship. Jesus gives us citizenship by his work on the cross, by salvation through the cross. And when Paul is going in, he describes these people, and I can break it down for you. I don't... I don't want to waste your time with that. I want to tell you more and more and more that we need this inner working of Jesus in our life so that we can acknowledge our citizenship in heaven. It doesn't mean that those things aren't fun to talk about or, or even to understand. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that right now, at this time, at this season, at this church, with these people, in this room, you need to know that this is the most important thing we have. This is the leverage that we have. This is what calls us to act every single day. This is the thing, Jesus, that makes us have citizenship in heaven to where we have the power, the authority, and the honor to bring heaven to earth so that people can encounter the living Christ by how we act, how we talk, how we behave, how we encounter them in their chaos, and we bring light into a dark place. It's not about all the detail of what this Greek word means and what that thing means. Those are fun things, and we should never neglect it. It's important stuff, but not for today, right now, in this room today. We have to hear that Jesus has done a great work so that we belong to something greater than this. And you have the authority now with the Holy Spirit in you to bring that same life into the people you encounter. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. You are citizens of heaven. And we await a Savior. Verse 20. The Lord Jesus Christ who will transform this garbage. My garbage. He will transform my garbage. My lowly body to be like a glorious body. We all hate spiders. Ha <laughs> ha, Benjamin. And so 
being a citizen of heaven brings a life and culture and reality of heaven to the earth experience. If you love Jesus, you're not going to be here forever. You get to go to heaven. There are people in this room that will see Jesus faster than me. And that's exciting for the soul and hard for us. But as part of our process here on earth, we get to bring the life and culture of heaven to this reality, to our current life. This is why it's so critical for us to not ignore what's happening in the world today. In fact, I was taught, and I've talked about this before, I was taught really, I think, and, and just the way my brain thought is that everything had to get really bad before Jesus shows up. That as soon as things got so bad, and Jesus said, they can't do it anymore, he'll come down and rescue us and take us to heaven. So, we're, so then that, think about that mentality. That mentality is put your seatbelt on and wait for everything to go to garbage, and then finally we'll get rescued out of it. This is not what Paul's teaching right here. Paul is teaching your life actually impacts and creates heaven around you. When you walk with Jesus, the transformed person that you are, empowered by the Holy Spirit, gets to infect everything around you. So if we were to go around the room and talk about our lives, so we have a bunch of people that are homeschooling and our, our, our moms at home taking care of little babies. Every day when you get up and you look at your little babies and your, and your toddlers and your five-year-olds and your nine-year-olds, you impact their life. You impact who they are, and you get to show them a taste of heaven. Every time uh, the Weeby Boys step on a work site, and they go and start throwing lumber, and they put up, they put up their framing, and they do man things for a day, they, their attitudes and the way in which they live with people, they impact who they're around, and they, people get to see heaven through them. When you show up on your job site or wherever you work, that's how you live, and that's what you get to do. Some of us are are blessed to be lazy workers. I show up to church, and it's my job to do that. But all of you, everywhere you go, get to impact the people around you and bring heaven to earth so they can experience Jesus as you walk. They, they get to see what heaven culture looks like, and heaven culture doesn't look like earth right now. Philippians is all about becoming a better humanity, a Messiah humanity. And once again, I'm going to say it. We don't just get to put our seatbelts on and wait for everything to go to garbage. It's our call, our duty, and our privilege to bring heaven to earth. And the two are to collide by the work of the church. This is the primary vehicle in which the in which Jesus is brought to the earth, the church. The church is the primary vehicle. God uses it. That's why the church is so important. That's why the church needs to be on the front lines. That's why the church is where the conversations about racial inequality happens. That's where all of the hard conversations that we're supposed to be having should happen here, 
Because here is where reconciliation begins. Here is where we know what it looks like to be fallen and be saved. Here is where those conversations have to take place. Because anything out there is perverted and selfish. And they're guided by their own glory. And they're guided by their own bellies. And they're guided by everything else. But here, in this place, we're guided by the citizenship of heaven, which means it looks completely different. We're guided by humility and love and perseverance and this pursuit to know Jesus and have him change our lives because we know that he is going to change our lowly body so we look like a heavenly body. He's going to be working through us and in us and for us. This is a place where love, generosity, hope, healing come to birth is in the church. And this is what Paul's saying. You are the church. Go do this in your community in Philippi. Steadfast. Imitate me. I know that you think that it would be okay to be a Roman citizen, but you're not. It's okay to be a citizen of heaven and live that out. One last real angry thing I want to say. I didn't even... I know you pay taxes here. Very little in Wyoming, by the way. should move here. But I know that we feel this um, pride towards being born in this country. We have this wonderful blessing of being born here. We're lucky. How many of us put our pride towards where we were born before where we were transformed? I have to admit, I do that a lot. That I'm so proud to be an American, at least I know I'm free. I'm not. Am I proud to be a follower of Jesus to where I'm truly free? Free from all of it so that I can tell somebody else that they're free from all of it. That's why the Christian and Missionary Alliance is such a powerful denomination. Because it's not just an American denomination. In fact, the, the, the alliance is way bigger everywhere else. We're small here in the United States. And the reason why it's, I'm so proud of being part of this denomination is because we have taken this idea that Jesus is the, the thing that matters most. So it crosses every barrier. And being a citizen of heaven crosses every territory. It crosses every language. It crosses every sort of racial divide. It crosses into every place. And its entire purpose for existing is to be a witness to Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Not just to the end of our border. Or let's, maybe we'll take it over to Douglas. Oh, I don't know. I don't like those people over there. Maybe we'll go up to Buffalo. Uh, no, we'll just stay here in Casper. That is not who we're called to be. And that is what Paul is saying. Don't just live in your holy huddle there in Philippi. you got a great thing going. Hold steadfast. Get these people out of your church who are leading you astray and telling you that you should do things differently. And persevere because you belong somewhere else. You are a citizen of heaven. You belong to Jesus. He is your king. And you get to live under his authority. Now, sure, there's going to be some places, not here right now, that are more difficult 
But it's our job as the church, as citizens of heaven, to be on the front lines of every conversation, of every injustice, of everything that happens in this world that we don't think is godly, and to interrupt it and say, no, that's not how it looks in heaven. That's not how it looks in heaven. And when Paul says a couple chapters back, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, I promise the interpretation doesn't say every white Anglo-Saxon American who votes Republican gets to not bow and say that Jesus is Lord. That's not what it says. And we have the power and the authority and the transformation in our soul to be able to speak that truth to the ends of the earth. And we, those things don't even matter because what we say is every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow. And we begin to minister in that way. That's a different way to do church, I promise. And that looks different here. And it's it messy. And we don't always have all the answers. And it puts us in positions where we're uncomfortable. And it makes us feel weird sometimes. And sometimes it makes us not understand what we're supposed to do next. And that's okay. Because I want us to be a church that loves to the ends of the earth and ask piles and piles of questions because we need to understand. So that's my soapbox. But it wasn't my idea first. Paul is saying this to the church. Now we get to interpret it in our context. I know it's easier for us. I'm not asking us to do anything that's, we're not planting a church in Denver. We're not. We're here. But if your mind is being transformed, and you think reconciliation and transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be aware of what's happening in our community. And I'm not saying I know things that are happening in our community. I'm saying that we have the opportunity to engage our community. Maybe talk to Jinx for five minutes and ask her what's happening in the community, because she gets calls every day what's going on, because she has a boss that's a little more powerful than us. Not me right now. He doesn't have a microphone. But there are things happening here that we can step into. We have a chef that cooks meals all the time at the rescue mission. How can we help out? Our fingers are in people's lives. Are we ready to step up and start asking questions?